live from Lewisham. Whoa, Ecclesia in the house. Okay, um, I'm just going to share a little message with you guys. Um, this is probably going to have two benefits. Um, we recognize that sharing the gospel is not a, an easy task. It can be quite daunting, and we can get lost for what we need to say. So hopefully this message will benefit the church. But ultimately, the, the message is to, to benefit those that are not Christians. Those that we want to drop a little bomb on. <laughs> those that we want to awaken your spirits. And um, so there's no title of today's message. <laughs> I didn't have time to think of one. So, I hope this is a good day for you. Maybe today you're feeling happy. Maybe today you're sad, feeling lonely. Have you got it all together? Maybe you're going through difficult times and drama, as we all do. Or maybe life is just sweet. No problems, no issues. So we as a church at Ecclesia recognize one thing we recognize is this. People ain't really coming into the church. Church attendances is actually dwindling, if you look at the figures. And that's why we're out here today. So we recognize that most people ain't going to go into the church. People may go into the church at Christmas. You may just visit a church. Maybe you'll walk into a church at Easter. Maybe for a wedding. Or when tragedy strikes, and we've had a few of them in this country, and the country goes into a state of mourning. Okay, so people flood into the churches. And then after a few days, after the mourning has seen, ceased, we go back to our daily lives. Back to the things that make us happy. Forgetting why we went into church in the first place. And like I said, today we brought the church out of the building. For today only, this year, the church has left the building. And the church is not the building. It's a collection of people. And as Christians, most of us here, and those wannabe Christians, and those people that we're going to speak to later on and, and try and entice you and bring you some lyrics... We recognize that you're not going to come into the church. So here we are. But what we recognize is, as we hang out in Lewisham and we do ministry out in the market and places like that, we recognize that not everyone's cruising through life on the love boat. Now, you have to be 50-something to remember that stuff. Maybe younger. You youngsters haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. You may be having drama in, the, in your work environment, a harsh boss, in the home. Maybe you're going through breakups, through challenging relationships, failures, divorce. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's financial problems or health issues or the loss of a loved one. But most of the time we want to hide behind that smile. 
We don't want people to know that we're going through drama. You're mad. What we want people to think is that, you know what, we're living a dream. And we can, we can fool people into thinking that, right? Check it out. You go on Snapchat and Twitter and you look at people's Facebook pages. And when you look at them, you think, wow. Look at that person's life. It's just great. They have thousands of followers on Twitter. They have hundreds of friends on Facebook, social media. You know what? Don't go posting nothing on there looking miserable. No, 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 no. We don't want people to know what life is really like. So we hide behind the camera. And you know what? If you're not looking stush, if you wake up one day and you want to post something on Facebook and you ain't looking too stush, there's this great app called Photoshop. Woo! Listen, buy Photoshop. You can make yourself look glamorous in a minute. Boom. You know what? You can slim yourself up, take a few inches off the side. You can cover up those imperfections. Let me just remove that facial hair. Let me just cover those wrinkles. Let me rub out that lady moustache. <laughs> Woo! Make yourself look fine. Why not those teeth? Colgate smile. Wow. Bing. And then you upload those pictures. Impress your friends. Impress your family. People will be like, wow, this brother's looking fine. This sister's looking nice. You see, on them platforms, you can pretend who you are not. On these platforms, you can pretend who you are not. In society today, image is everything, right? Society says you need to look a certain way. You need to be of high standing. You need to be popular, liked by everyone, wear the latest fashion, have the latest phones. Trying to live out... Sorry. Trying to live out that life can cause people to go into despair. Let's get serious now. Jokes are over. Why is my life not like that? Oh, woe is me. Why am I not living a dream like that person? You know what? If you're trying to, if you're struggling to live up to that standard, let me tell you this. That is not reality. It's a bunch of garbage. 
is fake. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But people are not happy with that. Spending thousands on plastic surgery. And sometimes it backfires. You've seen some of them pictures. You see, one's life is really not like that for the most part. The world cannot offer you those things. And then we have reality TV. And I know Bertram didn't want to go there last week, but I want to go there. <laughs> Jeremy Carl show. Do you know what? People love watching people's mess. And the thing that always baffles me with this, and it's not in my message, why would you go and share your mess on national television and expect to come out feeling nice? There was a brother on there, he lost his friends, lost his family, lost jobs, all for appearing on that program. But the lights, the lights, fame. Fame is not good all the time. So how do we know that people like looking at mess? Look at the viewing figures. 1.2 million for daytime TV. You know, if we can watch someone else's mess, then it will distract us from our own mess. We can feel proud because I'm not like that. But the problem with that way of thinking is this. The Bible says that we all have mess. Everyone. Romans 3.23. I need to add some Bible stuff in, yeah? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10. As it is written, none righteous, no, not one. So let's put that mess to the test. Don't mess with the best till you pass your test. <laughs> when you pass your test, you can mess with the best. How do we know that? How do we know we all have mess? Well, let's look at the Ten Commandments for a moment. And we're not going to unpack the Ten Commandments according to man's standards. Oh, no. We're not going to unpack it according to man's morality. But we're going to unpack it using God's moral standard. So the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. Have you always put God first in your life? Or are you filled with your life, work, success, image, money, status? None of us can keep the, t the first of the Ten Commandments. The second commandment, you shall not make an idol. Here are some of our idols. Social media, materialism, self, money, entertainment, music. You remember back in the day when the Rolling Stones used to come into town and people lost their minds. People would be fainting and, oh, 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 I can't believe I just saw. Yeah. Football, 
Thousands of people in stadiums every weekend raising their arms in worship. Consumerism, phones, and just as Della Sol said, the biggest idol we have is it's just me, myself, and I. How about the third commandment? You shall not take the Lord's, Lord your God's name in vain. Use name, God's name as a, to express disgust or as a cuss word. I got on the train on Friday and this little old lady gets on with her suitcase and she turns around and starts banging on the window. Like, what's wrong with this sister? Seven o'clock in the morning banging on the window. Her husband who was walking like a snail he missed the train. They was obviously going to catch a plane. Guess who got the blame? God. The brother didn't miss the train because, because of God. He missed the train because the brother was walking too slow. <laughs> Couldn't keep up. Okay. Fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Do you take at least one day out of your week in recognition to God? Maybe one day a month. How about one day a year? Wow. Honour your mother and father. Have you always obeyed your parents implicitly? Done everything they've asked of you? Come in on time? Tidy up your room? See, we're living in an era where kids are getting caught up in knife crime and gun crime. A lot of the time, parents don't even know where their kids are. And this commandment comes with a promise. Honor your mother and father that, you're, you're, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the land. Think about it. You shall not murder. Oh, yeah, I've never done that. Whew. Jesus said, after he turned the heat up on it, he said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. So have you ever strongly disliked someone? Remember knife crime? 1 John 3, 15 says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in them. Remember, we're going by God's standards, not man's watered-down standards. You shall not commit adultery. Jesus said, even if you look, you ain't even touched no one. You just looked. He said, if you look to lust after someone, you commit adultery in your heart. Have you ever had sex outside of marriage? Looked at internet? Ting and ting. <laughs> you know what I mean. The eighth commandment says you shall, you shall not steal. Now, there's all forms of stealing. You can just turn up for work late on purpose and you've just stolen. You can take some paper from work and you've stolen. You know when you go on eBay and you buy them shoes and you know eBay sometimes they sell stuff that ain't quite right. Something missing. You buy a pair of gold tips and one of the tips are missing. And you know that you, you may have to send that back so you have to keep the receipt. And then you go into work and you print 
You print up the receipt on the works ink and the works paper. God's standard. Told white lies, porky pies. Or the last commandment. You shall not cover that which you shall not cover. Have you ever desired something that belongs to someone else? Your neighbor pulls up in a nice spanking new car with the furry dice and the, and the leather steering wheel. And you start to cover it. Woo, that's nice. Look at my beat up old three wheel van. Maybe your friend gets a new man. And it was a man you had your eyes on. <laughs> and she beat you to it. Where does this stuff come from? And you start, yeah, you know that. So how do we know that we've sinned? How do we know that? Well, we all have something inbuilt in us. It's called the conscience. Con means with, science means knowledge. Conscience, with knowledge. My conscience bears witness that I've broken the commandments. Your conscience bears witness that you've broken the commandments. The conscience is the in, impartial judge in the courtroom of your mind. Let me say that again. Your conscience is the impartial judge in the courtroom of your mind. It never takes your side when you're in the wrong. Try it. So what does your conscience do? Your conscience will arrest you. Your conscience will take you to court. Your conscience will put you in the dock. Your conscience will try you. And it says guilty before God. Because ultimately all sin is against God. You see, God cannot turn a blind eye to sin. God doesn't have big sins and little sins and is okay with my little sins. He's not okay with any sin. The Bible says that if you're guilty of one of the least of these these if you're guilty of one of the least sins, you're guilty of all of them. The Bible says if you say you have no sin, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. And because of sin, we are criminals in God's eyes. We have violated God's law, the Ten Commandments. And Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed a man, mankind. Don't get it twisted and think it's only talking about the mandem. It means mankind. It's appointed a man, mankind, once to die and after this a judgment. God is a just judge, and he will punish sin. So how do we remove the stain of our mess? How do we get forgiveness of our mess? What can we do about our guilt? Maybe we can do some good works. No. You see, going to church doesn't save you. Preaching does not save you. Reading your Bible does not save you. 
Trying to be a good person does not save you. No amount of good works can save you. What can we offer the creator of the universe that's going to appease him? Does he need a new car? Maybe we need to buy him a house. He's the creator. He has no needs. He's not like us. Religion will tell you, you need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and if God is feeling nice, then you'll be saved. The Bible says there is nothing we can do to be saved. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves, sorry. Nothing we can do to save ourselves. But you know what? The Bible says this, and this is a good news. This is a news we're all waiting for. The Bible says that God is rich in mercy, and he has provided a saviour for our mess. 2,000 years ago, God became a man in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. He filled a man like a hand fills a glove. He lived a sinless life. And then he suffered and died on a cross. The sins of the world were laid upon him. He was punished for our sins. And it wasn't death by lethal injection. We're talking about a death that does not preserve dignity. It's just the opposite. How painful can we make it, they said. How miserable can we make it, they said. Let's rip out his hair. Let's beat him. Let's whip him. Let's mar him. Let's spit on him. Let's make sure that every nail hurts. He experienced the wrath of God. How do we know that? When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus took your blows. He took your bullet. And then he rose again, defeating death. Don't you realize that the only reason why you still have another birthday this year, or you may have had a birthday this year, is because God is patient, unbelievers. God is kind. God is compassionate. God is long-suffering. And God desires to draw you to himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he was made to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who knew no sin. He was perfect, sinless, righteous. What did he make him? He made him to be sin. Why did he do that? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That means because our fine was paid 2,000 years ago by the Savior, God can dismiss your case. God can legally forgive your sins. But the Bible says you must repent. What does that mean? Repentance is to change the way you think. It comes from the Greek word metanoia. Change your thinking. It's turning from yourself and turning to God and trusting in Jesus Christ. That's what saves you. It's 
Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you trust him? Is he your Lord? You will trust in God when you turn from yourself. The Bible says if you do that, God will commute your death sentence. Remove it. Treat you as though you're perfect. He'll forgive all your sins. Every one of them, even those secret dark sins, they're bows in the closet. And he will grant you eternal life. God's desire is not that you would die and go to a place of eternal punishment. God's desire is that you repent, turn to him, and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We talk about faith in Christ, surrendering your life to him. A Bible verse that everyone knows and everyone loves. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 15, 13, no greater love than this, than somebody lay his life down for a friend. On that cross, he said, it is finished. I've paid the fine. I've made the sacrifice. What are you going to do with that information? Is it just another message? Just another road sign that you're going to ignore? Or will you come to the only person that can give you true life? Jesus said, I come to give you life, life abundant. And that ain't no talking about cars and gold suits and all that stuff. It's talking about your life being full. Serving him. So today, won't you come and put your faith and trust in Jesus? Won't you do that? And have your sins forgiven. Walk out this park brand new. Woo! Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you speak. We are your tools out here today. Father, we pray for those that have heard this message that do not know you or who have submitted to a religion that cannot save them and they're trying to work their way into heaven trying to offer sacrifices to the Creator. When there's nothing we can offer you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you have been patient. You have been kind, long-suffering. Lord, we pray for those that are here that do not know you, that today will be a change, will mark a new life, a change in their life, where they come and receive your forgiveness and then live in perfect peace. I'm not saying you ain't going to have no drama, but you will have peace. You'll have someone walking with you through that. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are heavily laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you.
Do you need that today? Or are you just going to keep running? Running just wears out your shoes. So come. We're going to be around all day. We've all got these t-shirts. Come and speak to us. The Bible says, come and let us reason. If you think this is a whole bunch of garbage, come, let's talk about it. Give me the opportunity to refute your arguments. So come. Come today and receive forgiveness. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.